Hi, and welcome to the Young Family Small Business Podcast, the show that deep dives into conversations with experts in small business, raising a young family, or are shining examples of mastery in both. My name is Ben Walker, and I'm the founder of Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants, and the host of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants. We've worked with thousands of business owners since we started in 2013, and we're best known for saving our client base a total of $17 million in tax and counting. For every dollar of tax we proactively save a small business, Inspire donates a day worth of access to life-changing food, water, health, or sanitation services to a family in need. If you're interested in speaking with an accountant to see how we could help your business, head to inspire.business forward slash chat. In this interview, I'm actually talking with Lisa Dinney, the owner and founder of Cherish Your Sleep, number three, and qualified early childhood educator. Now, Lisa's helped my wife Stevie and I with our daughter Rose when she had some some sleeping issues that popped up. We had a couple of weeks or even probably close to a couple of months of uh, a pretty average sleep. And uh, and Lisa's done an amazing job of helping us. And I thought I'd get her on the podcast just to share some some tips around uh, helping, uh, yeah, I guess in the context of young families, small business, other young families who run small businesses that uh, may suffer from that lack of sleep. So uh, if she can help us, then anything to do with helping that sleep is going to help the business as, as well and just general life enjoyment. So just a bit of an introduction for Lisa. Um, for seven years, she's been working with families holistically to assist in resolving sleep issues. So the whole family is getting the sleep they need. She doesn't have a one-size-fits-all approach, but she works to rule out while, why babies might be waking and put in place some reasonable solutions that the whole family is comfortable with. She founded her business when she was deep in the throes of parenting a young family. She's had three children all within three years, uh, so they're super close in age, and she was either pregnant or breastfeeding for quite a few years. Lisa has been sleep-deprived as well, so she can kind of speak from that experience, and has had to manage routines and can understand how detrimental sleep deprivation really can be. In June 2020, Lisa was appointed the Regional Council of Association of Professional Sleep Consultants for Asia-Pacific. And she's worked with thousands of families over the past seven years with sleep. However, she's worked with babies and toddlers uh, since she was 17. Children have been a massive passion for her for a long time. So I hope you enjoy the interview with Lisa. And if you are having uh, sleep issues with your babies, then um, uh, feel free to reach out to her uh, or, or get some more assistance from her social media. Awesome. Thank you and enjoy. Thanks so much, Lisa, for joining. Uh, good to have you here this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I, I guess the whole reason why I was really, really interested to interview on the podcast was, uh, yes, my personal experience, but one thing I want to cover during the, the podcast of young families and, and running small businesses is definitely that element of making the most of your time with your kids um, and yep. making the best experience we can with our kids. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm really interested to hear from you today and, and for our um, listeners to, yeah, to potentially get some stuff that's going to help them amplify that family side, not necessarily just the, the business. But I think what we often see is when, when one thing's out of whack, it affects the other one. So, that's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess um, uh, I'd like to just know a little bit more about um, how you, actually, before we get into the, the, the meaty stuff, um, just tell me a bit about your family. So I, um, yeah, like I reside in Melbourne, we're in yep. the thick of lockdown. <laughs> Hubby is, um, he works in logistics for a drinks company and I have three kids. 
So I had all of my kids in three years. So they're super close in age. It was super busy, but super worth it. So Caden is 11, Elsie is 10, and Baxter is nine. That I have bribed them not to come down to this end of the house. We're <laughs> <Yeah>, recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you um, bribe them with? If, if well, we, just, we don't need to know. They just, I just said, please <laughs> just don't even come past this part of the house because they're very loud. They've finished homeschooling, so like remote learning. They're not homeschooling. We're remote learning. So, yeah, so I they are all at school. I... Yeah, I'm basically only able to work from home. I'm not classified as essential worker, so I'm doing all of my work virtually at the minute. And yeah, we, yeah, I think I've got three really good sleepers, which I always say to my clients, it would be really awkward if they weren't. And they're all, they're both, they're all three of them are really different. So, which obviously, you know, when it comes to sleep, definitely different temperaments, as you are probably well aware, they are different sleepers. So yeah, so it was definitely a really, really busy time when they were young. So I literally five years was either pregnant or breastfeeding. So super busy. And when Baxter was nine months, I started studying. So I have a background in early childhood. So when I finished high school in Brisbane, I moved to Lismore and studied um, to be, yeah, to be an early childhood educator. So I did that for a long time and then moved into a managerial side. So I used to run childcare centres moved to Melbourne and then yeah that's when I met my husband and then yeah became a stay-at-home mum but with no intention to be a stay-at-home mum so I really thought I had a career I really wanted to be a career woman so I loved my job passionate about working with kids and I had started a job with the Department of Education and Early Childhood Development and I had every intention of going back I really didn't think I would become so emotionally attached to my kids that I couldn't go back so, yeah, Baxter was nine months old and somebody, a girlfriend, happened to say, oh, one of my friends is, she was in sales and now she's doing sleep consulting. I was like, well, hang on a minute. My whole life has been kids. Yep. Why wouldn't I do this? Because it's what I know and love and am really passionate about. And I think back to when I was working in baby and toddler rooms, which is all I ever worked in, I was telling these mums as a 17, 18, 19-year-old how to get their babies to sleep. So <laughs> it was just. I feel like it was kind of like a bit of a full circle. So, yeah, so when Baxter was, yeah, 18, 19 months, I finished studying, so it took me a while um, because I could only study at night, and I started my business. So, yeah, I've been operating for seven years. Fantastic. Been an interesting journey along the way. Oh, isn't every starting every business? (laughs) (laughs) So definitely I only ever really had the goal when I started the business to make enough money to cover my groceries. Yeah. That was my goal. I remember saying to Scott really clearly, if I can make one, if I can get one consultation a week, mm. that's our groceries. But it quickly became something so much bigger than that. So I pretty much average, I, I don't aim to do any more than five consultations a week because I am a stay at home mum. Yeah. No, so, yeah. It's free with uh, remote learning at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So actually, <laughs> The way I'm doing it at the minute is when they are remote learning is when I consult because their teachers are actually online with them. So their teachers are all aware. What Look, they're really, my kids are really good kids. Like I'm not saying that because I'm their mum, but they generally, they're in on, they are in on that remote learning. So yeah, like I've said to them, you know, that's what your teachers are there for. They're there to teach you. If you've got questions, that's why they're online. So I literally have two and a half, three hours in the morning 
mm. where I consult, knowing that my kids are with their teachers. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, I've been doing that since March, I think March last year. I think maybe in the past 12 months, I've done a handful of in uh, 18 months, I've done a handful of in house consultations if I'm lucky. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there you go. And so, like, you know, you said something before about um, not being an essential worker. I think that's definitely open for argument. um, I have actually lost clients because I won't do in-house consultations. So I have to, you know, they only want in-house consultations. So there are some people I do know that are so consultants that are doing the in-house consultations under the, probably the line of caregiving. But the honest truth is that for me, uh, I need to protect my family. Yeah. And... I know this isn't a conversation about vaccinations. I am fully vaccinated. My husband is, but my kids are not. And, you know, I, it's something I probably said to you at the same time. My job is to keep my kids safe. So mm. I've elected not to. Plus, we can't go outside five kilometres. So that yeah. makes it really hard as well. So, but to be honest, I don't need, you would know, I don't need to do an in-house consultation. Yeah, I do no, think we... that the younger they are, that like the more hands-on I probably am at a consultation, but. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I know that people having babies in this pandemic don't have the support that they probably really need. Their their, their, professional village is gone. So, yeah. Fair fair point. And, yeah, we had no problems um, with that consultation from Brisbane. Uh, Very good. And, um, yeah, I guess from from an essential perspective, I think sleep is essential. And Mm -hmm. would you run us through, and some of this might seem really obvious or a basic question, but run us through, like, what's the the benefits and of kids getting sleep, but also parents? So, look, I think with kids, like, it's about having reasonable expectations. And in line with becoming a parent, there is a period of time where you're not going to get great sleep. That is to be expected. That is reasonable. And that's, yeah, that's a reasonable expectation. Newborn babies wake. But I think, like, I don't subscribe to the by this age they should be sleeping through because I think that you know, it can still be really normal for some babies to be having a feed at eight, nine, ten months. But I think it is about having reasonable expectations and understanding what's normal and what's not normal, if that makes sense. So, for example, if your 12-month-old is waking every 40 minutes, that that to me is not normal. And A, I'd be going to a doctor, you know, so and then coming back and having a look at all the things that I talk about in a consultation. But the thing about sleep is that, I mean, I'm not a scare tactics person, but the benefits of sleep for our little ones, impact on health, mood, feeding, eat like like milk feeding, eating solids. Like you think about, this is what I say as well, like you're, we're an adult when we're sleep deprived, you think about how you feel and you can tell me how you feel. Like I'm pretty sure your first email to me was, oh my God, I'm so sleep deprived. I can't do this anymore. Yes. So you can actually tell that to me. And, but our children can't. They are just erratically emotional they don't eat well they can become hyper like where they're just so overtired that they sit with high levels of cortisol in their system or concentration levels some sleep deprived children are actually diagnosed as adhd or those sort of things because they perform with high levels of cortisol in their system which means they go 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 and have no ability to regulate what they're doing so you cannot never put a price on sleep and you know, I am not someone who advertises my service because I also know that in this day and age, there is a push for the gentle parenting and just co-sleep and those things, which works great if it's working. But I, I do think that for the most part, a lot of kids are sleep deprived. Mm. And ultimately, that means parents are sleep deprived. And mm. like I said to you, you can tell me how you feel. Like, I'm going to be honest, 
like I said to you, I had a terrible sleep last night. I have consumed half a block of chocolate. Like, you know what I mean? Like my diet just goes way out because I'm looking for the sugar hit. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm having to take a nap. Like just things that really aren't that normal. And throw in the mix, homeschooling, trying to run a business. Yeah, it's just not conducive to a great, I guess, a great lifestyle. Real, uh, You know, not lifestyle, but it is. It's a part of your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And I know um, before we reached out, I um, we'd gone through a couple of weeks of Rose waking up a number of times a night, like not just once or twice, but like four, five, six times. And, and it was starting mm. to get, um, and taking a while to get back to sleep. Yeah, having flashbacks now, it's not good. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's um, the thing is like, it's so, like I said, sleep is not linear, but for the most part, we're all built to sleep. Yeah. So when your kids aren't sleeping, and I'm not talking about ba- little babies and things like that. It's very normal that they still wake for feeds and calories and those sort of things. But you know, when you look at a two-and-a-half-year-old that's waking every 60 to 80 minutes, mm. like that's hard, but it's harder on them. Here's the thing. They can catch <laughs> up in a nap. Okay. You can't because you're still parenting all day. You're yep. working full-time. So they're going, oh, I'm just going to take a three-hour nap. I'll totally be fine. Next night, party, party, party. And by the end of it, mum and dad are on caffeine. Your emotional status is, you know, you're probably really um, short-tempered, don't have a lot of patience, and it starts to impact on your lifestyle. Everything. Yeah, I wasn't going to the gym. I was just mm. trying to, like, so tired all the day. Yeah. 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 So it's, um, but parents, again, there are parents that just go, well, that's a part of parenting, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'm so happy that's not continuing. But um, so <laughs> would you be open to sharing like what's some of the maybe the low hanging fruit or the, the method that you might take a um, um some parents through to try to help with uh, getting better sleep for their kids? Well, first and foremost, I think it's important to make sure there's nothing medically going on, uh, which often gets missed. Things like allergies, like allergies and intolerances oral ties like I've worked with two and three-year-olds that have oral ties and those sort of things can impact on sleep but I think when you're looking at the foundation to sleep you've got to make sure that the environment's optimal it's no different to an adult as an adult we don't generally sleep in a light room where it's boiling hot or super super cold you know we're not doing seven kilometer run right before bedtime you know we're we're kind of starting to wind down although I do encourage roughhouse play which I'm sure you know Um, but I think it's about setting up the environment for sleep and actually setting your child up for success. Mm. So if you, and it's not about, um, yeah, like if you are putting your baby down at the wrong time, you're putting them down in the wrong environment, then it's not conducive to sleep. So some of the things that I look at through a consultation process are, yeah, making sure that the environment's set up appropriately for sleep, so nice and dark, not too hot, not too cold, that they're actually dressed properly. Like obviously Brisbane is really different to Melbourne, but I honestly, throughout my week, I would say 80% of the clients I work with, their babies are cold, particularly in wintertime, because that education around SIDS and overheating, but what we tend to do is flip to the opposite and we do render our babies cold just purely because of that fear. I always talk about setting up that room environment like a womb, dark, warm, and noisy. So, you know, introducing white noise, having them on the right schedule a routine more so than schedule. So making sure that they're going down when they're ready, not putting them down under tide or over tide. So that's a part of looking at how long they're able to stay awake for before you see tide signs, making sure that uh, sleep is spread evenly actually across the 24-hour period. For example, you know, if your little one's sleeping from seven o'clock at night until 10 o'clock the next morning, they probably don't need a nap because that's their entire daily quota. Yep. 
but by not giving them a nap, you're rendering them overtired to the night time because of their actual awake windows and how long they're capable of staying awake. So I sort of look at making sure that that sleep is spread evenly uh, across the day. And then actually just helping parents formulate practical strategies. You know, I don't have no-cry solutions. I think when you make change, particularly with toddlers who I know what I want, I know when I want it, and I know how to get it, those toddlers, I think there's going to be tantrums and tears. But it's I always say to my clients, you know, it's not your job to stop the crying because particularly with toddlers, and I say this because I know you're a toddler dad, Yep. you have to set boundaries. It's not okay that you get out of bed 17 times before going to sleep. So you put into place a practical solution and she's going to cry about it because it's a change. And in the past, she knows, oh, if I do this, I can get my dad to do this for me. And then we end up in a position where realistically they are actually in control of us (laughs) because we're afraid to say no and we don't want to upset them. But crying is a really normal process. It's healthy. It's healing. And I think that as parents, we often are afraid to have our babies cry. I'm not talking about cried out or anything like that. Mm. I'm actually talking about understanding that your baby's going to cry and you can support them through it. How you support them depends on what you're comfortable with and what your baby will respond to best or your toddler. Yeah, Yeah. okay. And I um, I do remember those first few nights. Um, Yeah, when we made those changes that you recommended, Rose was a bit upset, but um, now she loves it. And it's... um, and I actually use, uh, like you, you sort of shared a bit of a, a routine with us or, or a cycle of things to do one after the other. And um, if she's getting off track or she's crying or not, you know, not wanting to do something, I'm like, oh, hang on, but what about what about this? And then get mm. her concentrated on working through those steps. So um, yeah. that's been fantastic. Yeah. And I think we, um, yeah, like we all want to sleep. And there are some <laughs> kids that have FOMO and things like that, you know, those spirited high intense personalities but ultimately they're probably the ones that need to sleep the most because they are so busy all the time just about finding that kind of like niche the the perfect time in the perfect place and then yeah setting some boundaries particularly with toddlers you're allowed to put into place boundaries we're not talking about harsh or anything like that but reasonable age-appropriate boundaries so yeah there you go and and you mentioned that sort of not everything it's not like a blanket, like not everything works for every child, but is there kind of things you do differently for a newborn versus maybe six months old to a year old? How does... Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think, well, first of all, like the routine is always going to be different and even for all newborns, it can be different. So there are some newborns, well, I'm talking newborns, I'm talking in that first zero to three months that do really well on longer wake windows than others. Like it is about watching tide signs, knowing what your baby's capable of doing, kind of having your eye on the clock a little bit if your baby isn't one that shows those really obvious tide signs. But, you know, particularly for little babies, it's about keeping feeds in overnight so they're getting calories and then tapering off and then you've got the introduction of solids. So that's different from around that six-month age group. And, you know, you're always taking naps away as well, you know, so... Newborns are sleepy. They call them sleepy. I don't know if that's all true for everybody, but they're always going to not need as much sleep. So you start to taper away day naps and things like that. So the routine is ever evolving, but the foundations stay the same. To me, my favorite saying is, you've got to put your baby down at the right time in the right place and then be curious enough to give them an opportunity to see what they're capable of doing because you will never know what they're capable of doing until you give them a chance. I think that's so, much more than sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. And it's yeah. so different to, I mean, like I sort of see myself like if, if Rose couldn't play tennis, you'd go out and get a tennis coach, right? Yep. Yep. 
some babies are amazing. You put them into bed and they'll be like, see you later. And I have one, like Elsie, my daughter, she literally was a unicorn from birth. <laughs> Baxter, my third, was not. But he's that highly spirited, mm-hmm. determined, intense personality. So that played a lot. But also he was my third. So we were napping on the go. We were like I had kindy pickups and activities in the morning. So he never really got into a solid routine until he was closer to 12 months because of the other two kids. Yeah. But once I got into, you know, he loves routine. So once I actually was able to get into a bit more of a solid routine, his sleep, and look, it didn't bother me until it bothered me. Mm. So it wasn't until 15 months I was like, okay, little fellow, you kind of not this isn't working for me anymore and so we night weaned the other two would slept through from five months so here my child was 14 15 months still having a feed overnight and I knew he didn't need it mm. but I was doing what worked for my family which was going in at 4 30 in the morning feeding him so that everybody stayed asleep because yeah. he could cry he could cry like he can cry so <laughs> so you know it is about but yeah like yeah like I said if if you need a coach you go out and employ one and that that is essentially what I am there is so much information out there on the internet that it actually is really confusing. And most people that see me say, that is so practical. Like what you're suggesting, I've read about that, but I just didn't know how to do it, you know? So, and I don't ever expect people to do something that I wouldn't be comfortable doing myself. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. And I remember um, when we implemented those, it was probably like three or four or five things. It wasn't much. Uh, we 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 got, and I'm not sort of setting the expectation for everyone listening here, but <laughs> because you did say give it two weeks um, and you didn't yep. even sort of say that, yes, it'll be perfect after two weeks. But I think we had the first night was a little bit rough to get her down. Um, and then I think by night three or four, it was just beautiful. And she was sleeping through again. Which um, And yeah, that's I, the, the thing about babies and toddlers mm-hmm. is they love repetition. That's, yep. how, that's how they learn. So the more you do the same thing, the more they pick up on the pattern because they're natural pattern seekers. It's like, you know, I use that analogy. You put your baby in the high chair and they throw us, you give them a set of keys and they throw it off and you come and pick it up. Yep. And they're like, oh, hang on a minute. Look what I've managed to do. Throw it off again. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've just impacted my world here. I can get my dad to do this. Or I can like, you know, the food goes over the high chair and the dog comes at it. And the next minute, you know, your baby's feeding the dog dinner, you know? So we all love, we all love routine. It's just about finding the routine that works for you and your family, essentially. Yeah, very good. And and how about like um? Oh, I mean, I remember when we we had Rose, um, which is our first. Someone mentioned to us, oh yeah, you know, just just being sort of completely transparent, you're probably not going to get good sleep until maybe five years old. Would you? I mean, you said earlier that you don't really have a deadline, but what's your sort of guide of, of let's say new parents listening? Um, Look, I think. <laughs> That by 12 months. Yep. Somewhere, but look, uh, yeah, it is hard to say, but in my honest opinion, and from being a parent myself, I know that babies can sleep through from five months. That is highly unusual. I would say from around 12 months old, as long as your baby's healthy, happy, on track with growth and development, if I was working with a family, I would be saying they're capable of going through the night without a feed. Somewhere between six and eight months. With that introduction of solids, there is definitely more society pressure that babies can sleep through, but I still see it as very normal. If they do it on their own, great. Like I'm working with a lot of eight months old at the minute and they're all from the same mother's group, which is lovely. One of them is sleeping through. The other two are still having one feed. That's amazing. Like different strokes for different folks, right? Like not two babies are the same. Hmm. 
But I would say, yeah, like even at 10 months, if someone wants to come to me, as long as their diet was okay and their baby was tracking well and having the right food and the right milk, I'd be confident in saying, look, I think they could probably go through. Whether the parent wants them to sleep through is different. Like I work with some families who go, I'm really happy with one night feed. And I go, okay, because it's probably an improvement on the seven they were doing. Yeah, okay. Well, so it's about, yeah, it's about putting it into perspective. Like I don't ever guarantee ongoing sleeping through because they're not robots. But for the most part, yeah, there should be massive improvements. Okay. So maybe yeah. a bit earlier than five years old. But you're... 100%. <laughs> I think the thing though is that. As a parent, even with your children sleep through, speaking room experience, like I'm still, my ears are still open all night long. And it's like we never, I'm not sure about dad. I'm not going to speak on behalf of my husband, but he <laughs> definitely sleeps all the <laughs> Yeah. But we, we tend to sleep differently once you have a child. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, like my, I can hear, I can, I, like I sleep with earplugs every night. And I can still hear my kid's door open at six o'clock in the morning through my earplugs. <laughs> it's like I'm su- us mums are like super tuned to them. Yeah. Yep. I've just so, noticed them. Um, even even myself, like I've been. Sometimes I'll get woken up by uh, by Rose or Ezra, but um, but other times I'll be, I'll wake up and literally one minute later I'll start crying or they'll, they'll wake up themselves. So, yep. Weird. That, that yeah. Rhythm. We're very. You know, I talk about mums being intrinsically linked to their babies and they are because, you know, they grew them for nine months. And it's definitely, I work with a lot of families that say, oh, my baby's sleeping so well. I'm not. <laughs> like I'm still lying there waiting for them to wake up. So you almost need to train yourself to sleep well again because so your body is so used to being awake all night and fatigued that to get a good night's sleep, you often feel worse for sleeping so well. You know, you think about, the nights you've gone to bed early and you sleep 12 hours or 10 hours or whatever, you wake up the next day and like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I need to have a nap. But you just slept 10 hours like because yeah. your body's not used to it. Yeah, okay. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, um, no, thank you so much for, for running us through that. Um, and, and I've got a couple of other questions, more, more so about your, your business or your family. Yep. Um, if yep. that's all good, but um, yeah, um, you, you mentioned in a, an earlier conversation we had um, that you started your business when you when the kids were pretty young. Yeah, how was that experience? <laughs> <laughs> I did all of my work at night. Yep. So okay. that was the benefit of having kids that were in bed by seven. Mm. Was that I would study from seven till nine, or I do my assignments, or like I do practical hours. So I would be talking with clients like, like during that period of time. I did actually engage a nanny one day a week as well, just for when I had to go out and see clients. When I was first starting up, I was quite, I wanted to meet people in person kind of thing. So she would come to the house once a week, just nine till three, because I would still, yeah, like Caden would still have school. So I'd still want to pick him up. But yeah, it was a, a lot of it happened at night, but that's, it just had to be done. Or like Elsie, you know, she'd stopped napping. Baxter still took a nap, but Elsie really loved quiet time. So she would happily, while Baxter was asleep, go into her room, read some stories, occasionally fall asleep. But for the most part, she was really, and she still is that kind of kid that loves just being in her room on her bed reading and things like that. So I would do a little bit of work during the day. But I, the one thing that has always benefited me, and my husband used to work away a lot, so I, I did solo parent. I'm not talking about being a solo parent. I'm talking about running my household as a mum on her own while husband worked long hours was that I was incredibly routined. I know it's not for everybody, but it gave me 
a light at the end of the tunnel for the day. Three kids under three is frantic. Um, there's always somebody crying, somebody needing me, wanting me and all those sort of things. So I had to have in place this workable routine that at seven o'clock every night, my kids were asleep. Yep. And that meant that if I wasn't working, I could be, you know, catching up with Scott if he was home or, you know, like with family in the state, I was able to ring family. But that I spent a lot of time in my business from like seven till nine thirty, ten o'clock at night doing writing up sleep plans, checking my emails and things like that. So even now, my ki- like I feel like I'm on my phone too much or on my emails too much because I'm not used to having the kids at home and because they're at school, I work all day now, so I don't work at night, but I'm having to go back to working at night so that because the kids are home with me all the time. Yeah, yep, I see. Yeah. So yeah, so whilst I consult at the minute nine till somewhere, like I generally do one consultation a day because I just can't do, I just won't put myself under that amount of stress. I don't get my sleep plans written up until evening time. So I'll do my consultation, I'll check all my emails and then I'll take the kids out because we're only allowed out for two hours a day. We're out for a walk, we'll go to the playground or the park or to the lake and then the rest of my day has to continue. So, yeah, but it is, this is the, there's always the benefit of having a really workable routine in the evening is that you know come a certain time all your kids are going to be asleep and then yeah, if you're starting up a business, that's the time that you start your business. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, very good. And and so you've already partly answered my next question, actually, um, which is what are your non-negotiable family rhythms to maintain great relationships? And that's um, sort of two parts of the question. One's with the kids, which um, I think, you know, one of them is that, you know, in bed by seven o'clock thing, but the other one is also your spouse as well. So do you have any sort of rhythms that you do as a family? Mm, it's honestly... Then it's really hard at this point in time. Mm. Like it, we, I have not, my husband and I have not had a date or gone out alone. We actually said this the other night because the kids for Father's Day, they love, they really love being like waiters and waitresses at a restaurant. So they were like, can we do the waiter thing for dad's Father's Day? And we had a joke because we were like, oh, when was the last time we went out? We could not even tell you yeah. when the last time was that we actually, A, got a babysitter because we don't have family here. Well, Scott does, but they're not able to help us. And my family are all interstate. We've got a couple of girlfriends that can help out now. The kids are uh, are older. Mm. But, um, yeah, we just – and he's home full-time now. So, to be honest, we're in each other's pockets all the time. So, we'll probably get to the end of the day and like, I need a break. (laughs) But for the kids, yeah, it is like they're older now. Mm. And particularly the one thing – I'm a silver linings person. Mm. Do I like lockdown? No. It's been really hard. Like I've spent a lot of time crying and, you know, trying to justify will I ever see my parents again, those sort of things, which is totally unreasonable because, of course, I will. But Mm. when you think of it, but the one thing we're getting is family time, which we've never, because Scott worked all the time. He would work three days just prior to this lockdown. I don't know whether we're in five, six or seven, let's be honest, but (laughs) this part of the year prior to this, he was in Sydney three days a week. Yeah. So it was full on. And like, I'll be honest, I suffer from anxiety when he's not here and I don't sleep when he's not here because I just don't. And so, yeah, he was away a lot. And the, But now we've got this opportunity at night. I never recommend watching TV before bed, but my kids, we will sit and watch a show or, you know, they love the block. Which I don't know whether 
we sit and watch the block at night or something like that. We're all on the couch and, you know, they're all over us. And I mean, we've got, you know, enough seats in our lounge room for 10 people and we're all on this one couch because, you know, we haven't spent enough time together. But yeah, we would, we always have dinner together now that the kids are older, which is something that doesn't come until they're older because the way in which I work with families, I generally have the kids eat first. Or parents can eat with the kids, but the way in which the routine generally works is like 5.30 dinner, which doesn't often suit a lot of working families. But we're having dinner together every night, which we've never had before. And yeah, we're having lots of time on the weekend. Like we, when we actually went into this lockdown, I was like, right, getting a walking machine, getting a bike. And the five of us, the kids even did it as well. We would go out and like seven o'clock in the morning We'd get on the bike and the walker and the kids, you know, we'd have little exercises that we all had to do and we'd run laps around the house and we did it together. Awesome. You're not going to get that. We wouldn't have ever been able to do that. So I am seeing a silver lining. Yep, that's great. But I think it's really important that, yeah, you communicate and, yeah, you do actually make time for yourself, which when you have a good working routine in place, you can have your babysitter come in and know that your kids are going to go to sleep and they're not going to kick up a stink. In fact, More often than not, kids go down better for other people other than their parents, let's be honest. And you can go out and have those day nights and things like that. But it's just, it, yeah, it doesn't necessarily work for our family because we don't have people that can help us. Yeah, so, no, I appreciate you being, um, you know, fairly transparent in that. That's, um, that's yeah. a great share. But um, I love to cook, so I am all about feeding my family. <laughs> <laughs> so if anything, my husband's like, man, you're on fire with the cooking. Like, these meals are great. I'm like, yeah, because I've got time, like, because I'm home every day. And what's the go-to dish? Uh, if you were to ask Scott, he's always partial to a veal schnitzel. Oh, yeah. Kids will always go Mexican. Mexican's Taco Tuesday tonight. I actually, last night we had, I made lamb kebabs and all five of us were like, oh, my God, this is a weekly staple. They loved it. So, but yeah, so yeah, we have that at dinner time and we have a little thing at dinner, which some people do it not at bedtime, but particularly on a Sunday night when Scott was away a lot, we'd sit down and go, what was one great thing that happened in your day? What was the best thing about the weekend? Yeah. And we'd always try and find that positive. And we were always like, we used to go around the table and say, oh, tell us one thing that you love about mom, one, one thing that you love about Elsie, one thing oh. that you love about Caden, just those sort of little things. Um, we've taken to doing a lot of board games. I've got a board game couple now to rival any toy store. <laughs> Great. But yeah, those little things. But yeah, the underlying, I guess, message is having a routine is always going to benefit your entire family because you're going to know when, how, and what. And so, and anybody that comes into your picture, for whatever reason, knows it's there and the kids know it's there and the expectations are clear. Yeah, no, very good. I know when we've had um, my mum put um, Rose down and we sort of write it all out for her and had her a bit <laughs> yeah. of a demo on it. It was quite funny. And she probably <laughs> said, I've done this before, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was your mum. Yeah, <laughs> you my parents, all right. <laughs> I know my parents always like when we go up to Queensland, the boys will often go for a sleepover. Um, yep. Elsie's getting there, but she she's she hasn't quite made it the whole night yet. But and you know, my dad would I'd say, oh, just you know, this is what we usually goes. I don't care what you usually do. We're grandparents. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not like they have to deal with it when you get the kids back. <laughs> I know. The sugar rush and yeah. the, oh, we were on the iPad all night. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Well, um, okay. Well, uh, just and just my last question before we wrap up the um, uh, the chat today. If you had sixty seconds to help a sleep deprived parent who runs a small business, what would you tell them? Prioritize routine. Mm-hmm. Get your baby into a, an optimal sleep environment. Yep. Don't be afraid to sleep train if that works for your family because it doesn't work for everybody. But there are times where you have to put into place measures that get everybody sleep and look after yourself. Mm. You cannot fill from an empty cup. So you have to make sure that even if you're sleep deprived, you are actually doing self-care as well. That's it crucial. And at any time you ever are concerned about your own health, mentally and physically, see GP. Or get a sleep consultant (laughs) to help (laughs) with baby sleep. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, The hardest thing for a new mum, in my opinion, is asking for help. mm. We're so afraid that that makes us look like a failure, but it doesn't. That's the hardest thing to do is ask for help and admit defeat. Mm. And it's not even defeat. It's just acknowledging that this isn't your field of expertise. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. That's some golden advice. Uh, No worries. All righty. Well, thank you very much, Lisa. Um, Excellent. Been really good to chat with you. Uh, you too. Had a great experience with you um, <laughs> a couple of months ago. And, uh, I think I'm going to book in for another session next week. <laughs> no, just send me an email and let me know what's going on. I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it's just a small tweak here and there. Awesome. All right. No, fair no worries, Ben. Take All it right. easy. Thanks again. See you. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with today's guests, you can find their contact information in the show notes in the podcast section of our website at inspire.business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Young Family Small Business Podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, do join our Facebook community. You can find that by going to youngfamilysmallbusiness.com. And if you're interested in speaking with an Inspire accountant, head to inspire.business forward slash chat, where you can book a free 20-minute strategy call. And lastly, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, uh, which is the at symbol Ben Walker, C-A, or one word, or at Inspire underscore accountant. Thanks again, and see you next time.